Step right up, ladies and gentlemen and genders of all ranges, and welcome to the Art Pit. Conducted by the Jeremys, a pair of purveyors of fine art and oddities via the best damned art gallery this side of Long Beach, the Dark Art Emporium. Listen in wonder as we jibber-jabber about all things arts, music, movies, and whatever other jive we decide to mosh together. Faint of heart, beware, and welcome to the Art Pit. Well, welcome to the first episode of the Dark Art Emporium's Art Pit. Hello, hello. Congratulations, you've made it. You're here. <laughs> We're here, and that's uh, that's a great thing because uh, you know we should all be here together. It's it's a beautiful thing. Yes, uh, touching each other and, and loving. And, yes. Um, so, I guess to start it out with a little bit, we're going to talk uh, kind of about who we are and how this whole situation came to be, why we're doing the podcast, and, and how the gallery ended up in, in in the space that it's at now, and and our whole story, right? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do that. But first off, just a quick introduction. Um, I'm Jeremy Cross. I call myself the co-conspirator here at the DAE Gallery. Um, basically, it just means that I do all the shit with Jeremy, the other Jeremy. Yep. We, we all do this shit together. So, um, yeah. And, and, and who the fuck are you? And I'm Jeremy Schott, and I'm the owner, and uh, for better or worse, of this, <laughs> of this art gallery. And, um, yeah, I don't really know what else to say. I guess, um, I guess we'll talk about the history of the gallery and how it got started. Yeah, man. So when did you open Dark Art Emporium? So we opened October of 2016. That sounds right. Yeah, 2016 at a little tiny spot on Elm and 3rd. And then we were there for about six months. And then we moved to a larger location on the corner, two doors down. And we were there for about three years. And then right before all this nonsense happened. Like literally right fucking before. Yeah, the, the, the day um, we had our first grand opening in this new space, and then uh, we had to close the doors the next day. And then COVID. And then COVID. <laughs> so, all right. Now, I, I, could, I could attempt to tell the story leading up to the, the original little tiny space, which the first space was, it was really small, especially compared to where we're at now because we've grown so exponentially over the years. Um, but the little place on Elm... Uh, where did, where were you before that and what made you decide to open up the gallery? Okay. So, um, I'm a, a video guy, I guess for, for better or worse. Like I can, I can edit, I can video, I can like produce. Max Hedrum? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm a, I, I, I'm a, I'm a video man by trade. So I was, um, I was touring with heavy metal bands, shooting documentaries, live music videos, that sort of thing. Um, doing pro wrestling. I was shooting pro wrestling and producing a pro wrestling, uh, television show still on the air. It's called championship wrestling from Hollywood. Hold on, hold on, hold on. You can't just brush past that. So <laughs> how, how long were you doing wrestling? Oh shit. Um, I did pro wrestling like since college. I had a roommate in uh, Tim Haggerty, my, my roommate in college. He loved pro wrestling, and he was working. He worked for Image Comics, and he was working on a comic book uh, called Black Tiger Mask, and that's a Japanese pro wrestler 
So he was shooting and hanging out with these all these wrestlers in Santa Monica, actually right down the street from Copro, um, called NJPW, New Japan Pro Wrestling, which I guess now is like a big deal. I think it's a big deal in Japan, but now it finally hit the States. So he was working on that, and he was like, hey, you want to go to this wrestling show with me? I'm like, well, fuck, it's Sunday. I'm not doing anything. Were you a wrestling guy? Not at all. Not so at all. You, like, because you... You were a little bit young in the 80s, so like for yeah, the, like, mean, the, like the WWF heyday. Yeah, I mean, when I was a kid, like me and my buddies would watch it when we were kids, like in the mornings. But like, I'm not a wrestling fan per se, but I went with them just to check it out. And uh, David Marquez, the producer and promoter, he found out I could do video. And the next week, he had me on the ground shooting pro wrestling and editing spots and like doing all kinds of stuff. And... He kind of actually, David was, um, he taught me how to do television production. Um, and he's old school. Like, we, I mean, we were doing stuff analog. Like, he was awesome. I mean, I went to film school. I went to Chapman Film School. So I learned a lot there as well. Um, but he taught me, like, the hands on stuff, the stuff that, like, you know, I can watch Graduate over and over and over again and right. analyze it. But he taught me how to do it, like, for real. Um, so I did that and then I toured with Suicide Silence was my main gig, but I did videos for like, um, in this moment and, uh, Winds of Plague and, uh, I Set to Kill. How did that transition happen though? Um, how did you go from wrestling to the, the music? When I was in college, I had another buddy at Chapman who was Suicide Silence's manager and he just asked me, Hey man, what are you doing Saturday night? You want to go shoot this show? And I shot their very first music video, um, and and it was wild because like I wasn't into that kind of music. Like it's like deathcore stuff, you know. It wasn't it wasn't anything that I'd ever heard before or seen before. And it's like 14 year old girls like in the pit, like just tearing shit up. Like it was insane. I like that. Let's see. I, I think we connect on that level because falling ass first into shit. Has, has been like my whole life. Yeah. And it, 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 it's pretty much been the same for you. It's like, like, well, I'm not doing anything. You want to do this? Yeah, let's do that. And then it turns into a fucking 10-year career. Yeah. So, so all right. So you're, you're doing the suicide silence thing. You're, you're, uh, you, I know you're traveling the world. Yes. You With, saw like how many fucking countries? And, I've been around the world twice. Yeah. Like I've been, I've been to Chernobyl. I've been to uh, Russia, China. You name it, I've probably been there. Outside of Japan. I never got to get to Japan. Um, but everywhere else I got to go. And that, that, that just, that got old? Because you're, you're dumb? Well, <laughs> I mean, yes. I mean, I, I, enjoyed, I enjoyed traveling the world. It was awesome when I was younger. And what happened was I kind of hit my mid-30s. And, like, I, you know, you look at the, the headliner, because we're the, you know, we're never the headliner. We're, like, the, the second tier so, you know, you're on tour with, like, Corn, for example, and you see the guys that are pushing their, their gear, and they're in their 60s, and they're all haggard and hurting, and, like, I don't want to be that guy. Yeah, like, yeah, that makes sense. Like, the road hurts after a while. Like, when you're in your 20s and you wake up in Russia hungover and you don't know where that you're going to shit, it's, <laughs> it's a lot of fun. <laughs> When you're in your mid-30s, you're like, I don't know about this anymore. <laughs> like, I just want a clean toilet. Yeah, I just want to, like, you know, like the Mayhem Festival. Like, I'm having to wake up in the morning and take a horse bath in a, in a porta potty It's not a good time. 
Fair enough. All right, so so eventually it gets old. It got old. And you were living in Long Beach already. Yes, I moved to Long Beach. Because um, you're not from here. No, I'm from Texas originally. I moved out here to go to Chapman Film School. And then um, when, I was, when I was looking to move closer to L.A. for work, um, I couldn't do L.A. I can't stand L.A. It's just there's too many people that are talking bullshit and talking like the reason I left Austin was everybody was talking about all the things they're going to do right. and never did it. Yeah. And that's kind of what L.A. felt to me was is everybody's like, hey, read my script. I'm like, dude, nobody's going to make your fucking movie. Like, <laughs> like, I guess I'd be remiss if I didn't say I did produce a fe- feature film as well um, called She Wants Me. It's a romantic comedy. Um, my buddy. So weird. Yeah. Like, I'm all over the place. <laughs> Hence yeah. this gallery. Yeah, I made a fucking rom-com. Just, yeah. you know. Yeah. We threw it. Uh, randomly. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So you're, you're in Long Beach. You're, you're tired of the road. How do you, how, how do you pull the trigger on, on the gallery and, and what prompted it? I, I know the answers to this, but I think yeah. other people want to know about it. So one of the last tours we were ever doing with Suicide Silence, uh, they were opening for Corn which was their band. Like, when they were growing up, they, they, they loved Korn. I'm not the biggest fan of Korn. Like, they're fine. Um, but I realized when I was holding the camera backstage and they were all excited, like, talking to Jonathan Davis and Fieldy and all those guys, like, they were just so excited, and I just didn't care. I just wanted to get back into my bunk and go to sleep. And that's when I realized, like, my passion wasn't there anymore. However, like on that tour, uh, at one point, um, Eddie, their singer, he said, you know, Jeremy, like we were just hanging out drinking a beer. And he's like, you know, like you're really cool um, because like you just love art. Because when we were on the road, I'd find the museum, I'd find the weird, you know, roadside attraction, whatever it was, oddity shop. And I would go to that in my downtime. And he's like, you know, you just love art. So when I came back and I decided I wasn't going to do this any, I wasn't going to do that anymore, um, I realized, like, when I was home, I would go to Hyena Gallery or, you know, you, you name, like, Lelou's, you know, and, or Necromance, like, just because I was into that kind of stuff. And so that's where I was spending my time, and then I realized, like, you know, there's nothing like this. I'm driving 45 minutes to an hour to go to this and there's nothing like this down in Long Beach. So right. why don't I just create my own and showcase what I love down here? Um, and, you know, at least I'm not, uh, you know, that's, that's how it came about. Right. So, and I, I know that you, uh, you, you became friends with Bill um, at Hyena and I, I'm sure that uh, his advice was don't fucking do it. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but you did it anyway. I did it anyway, and he held my hand the whole time. That's so sweet. Yeah, he's a great dude. I'm surprised it was your hand, though. I don't want to talk about the other things he's held. Um, yeah, Bill, Bill has, definitely, has definitely been a mentor to me. And then a- a- after the gallery got opened and I started doing more art, quote-unquote, art gallery shit, um, Gary and Erica at Copro have also been sort of mentoring me as well. When I have questions, I either go to Bill or them. The funny thing is that Bill was also really important to me becoming an artist. Yes. Like, it's, it's, it's really, uh, there's a synergy there with, with Hyena and Bill, right in the, in the crux of it. Is 
without Bill, I, I might not have ever taken my art seriously. Because before Hyena Gallery, I was, you know, I was showing in coffee shops and bars and shit like that. And not really selling anything. And it was just kind of something I did. I was still holding lots of day jobs, bartending all the time. And, and then uh, I met Bill through my wife. Uh, they had mutual friends going back years. And right when Bill moved out here from Massachusetts, he said, you know, I'm thinking of opening up this art gallery. I know you do art. And he wanted to see it, so I showed him, and he's like, you know, this is just the kind of shit that I want to show. How would you like to be the first show at Hyena Gallery? And, of course, I, I fucking flipped my wig and, uh, and jumped at the chance. And so, yeah, so I was the very first show ever at Hyena Gallery. It was also my very first solo show ever. It was also my very first gallery show ever. Yeah. <laughs> so... You know, we should really be S and Bill's D, like yeah. like all day long, every day. I, I love the man. Yeah, I do too. He's he's one of the weirdest and most amazing humans I've ever known. And if you're not sure, if you're not familiar with Hyena Gallery, it's in Burbank. Um, just go to hyenagallery.com and and peruse. And once all this dumb shit is over with, once once we're done drinking Coronas. Um, you know, you gotta you gotta go check him out in person because the the place is a visual smorgasbord. Yeah, it gives me anxiety. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 a small space, but like he crams so much wonder into it. Mm -hmm. It's it's amazing. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's it's a it's an Easter basket of of darkness and weirdness and, yeah. and beauty and and all kinds of wonderful yeah. things. Um, but anyway, so yeah, so Bill and hyena. Uh, really, really, uh, were launching pad was, was a launching pad for both of us. So the gallery was open for how long in the original space? We were there for about six months. Six months. That's it. It was really fucking short. And then yeah. the corner shop, was, which was supposed to be a tattoo parlor, yeah, but they couldn't get it, their shit together to make it happen. Um, so yeah, then, then we I, jumped ship over there. Yeah, I, I did the whole build out at the old spot and then the little spot. And then I asked the landlady, I was like, hey, when my lease is up, you know, in a year. Right. If, if the tattoo parlor doesn't open, you mind if I move over to the corner? And she's like, how about next month? I'm like, shit. Like, I don't know if I'm going to, how long this is going to last. Like, is this going to work? Like, you know, like what I'm doing isn't necessarily for everyone like this is for me and i mean i mean i know there's a community for it but i didn't know that right. the community yeah. was gonna embrace it and much uh, less the long beach aspect of the yeah community and being in long it. beach yeah. on top of it um, nothing like this had ever existed here no, before no like there was one place eye of the cat if you were into like a cult shit like, but they weren't really an art gallery. No, no, it wasn't they an art gallery. They just, yeah, they like if you needed herbs and shit for your spells. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, that was the place to go. Um, but that was the only like kind of occulty, weird, odd thing in Long Beach at the time, outside of like record stores. Um, and see, I was really disappointed though because like I, I didn't find out that you had opened a place in Long Beach until you'd been open for about three months or so. Yeah. And then somebody was like. Do you, are you aware that there's a dark art gallery in Long Beach now? And I was like, the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. Like, how have I not heard anything about this? Yeah, and then you walked in with your, with your kid. 
yep. with Grayson. Yep. And Grayson is running around like a, the terror he is. And you walked in and you're like, you're going to open a fucking dark art place without calling me <laughs> in my fucking neighborhood? <laughs> and then I knew we were friends. I, did, I, don't, I don't roll soft. No, no, and neither do I. Like, I'm a little <laughs> abrasive as well. I was like, the hell? And, and then, you know, it took probably a year before I found out why you hadn't reached out to me. Because you knew who I was. Yes, I knew your work. But you didn't like my art. Yes. You really didn't like no, it. No, I wasn't a fan. <laughs> Actually, James Which makes Lynch, me like you even more. Yeah, James Lynch, the tour manager for Suicide Silences, who introduced me to Hyena. And I saw your work on the walls, and he's a fan. Yeah, James is rad. He's, yeah. he's got a few pieces in his yeah. place. Yeah, yeah, he's a big fan of your work. And he kept telling me, like, hit up Cross. Like, I think he's in your neighborhood. And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like, nah, screw that guy. <laughs> but I do love your work now. Uh, see, he's only saying that to say No, that. no. I, well, he I doesn't have, mean that. I have quite a bit in my house. Um, no, that's true. But I, I feel like a lot of it's because of drunken promises that he makes. That I hold well, there to. is that as well. <laughs> uh, that, that Batman that is behind your shoulder right now is phenomenal. So I love that piece. Thank you, man. Um, we have, yeah, you've, you've, over the course of the four years that I've known you, you've, you've grown so much as an artist, and I, I truly respect your work. Well, thanks, and man. It's been, you know what, honestly, for a long time, it was, it was really a second or third tier to my life and yeah. until I had the kid, um, because I always had to hold a day job, and, I, and for a while, there was a really nasty corporate day job that took up like 12 hours a day, and I was on the road for half of those. So I didn't have time to do art. And then when we had the kid, we had to make that choice of like, well, I can pay somebody else to raise my kid and keep my shitty day job that I hate. Or I can quit and really try to focus on the art and do something with it and also be there for my child. And because my wife's career has been, she's, it's been pretty gangbusters always. You know, she's, she's done really well. She's a badass. So, um, so yeah, it, it, but it's like you know, so for the last seven years, like I feel like it's kind of skyrocketed as yeah. far as as was what I've been able to accomplish with the work, just because I have the time to focus on it. Yeah, which is great. So anyway, yeah, um, it, yeah your your work has has grown so much, and I'm a big fan now. Thanks, man. Um, I don't believe him. Just no, I'm, so you guys know. Um, I'm stuck showing you, so <laughs> I have to say it. Yeah, he's he's totally fucked up on that account. <laughs> so. All right, so six months, we jump over to the new space. We build that out. Mm -hmm. we, uh, we, we jump in with gray walls. We, did, we started with gray walls. And then um, over the course of that year, you became more involved in the gallery. Yeah, it was like um, halfway through the year that it became like a permanent thing. Yeah, it was pretty much like your first solo show at Dark Art was when, when you really kind of took the reins. And it was, uh, I mean, it was organic. Like it wasn't like you just like came in and said, fuck you. I'm taking over. No, but, no, 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 nothing like but, that. I mean, that wouldn't be out of character, but it, it's not what I did. <laughs> also like just prior to that, I'd spent four years uh, running uh, night gallery, fine art with Robert and Tamara. Yes. And that had just closed right when you opened. Mm -hmm. So that was also serendipitous and, and, you know, kismet or whatever the hell yeah. you want to call it. I mean, our, our furniture is from there. Yep. Yep, it's, it, it, like, I got to bring some of it with me, which is really cool. Um, so uh, 
yeah, I think I think my solo show was that time, and then at that point it was like, well, this is this is just what's happening now. Yeah, like we're 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 partners in this shit. We're doing this shit together. Like, yeah. let's let's make it whatever official it needed to be made, which I think basically just consisted of making business cards and updating the website. And <laughs> yeah, that was pretty much what. And happened. it was and it was done. And then I think like um, where you're going with that, like we had those gray walls, which I. You know, not knowing anything about running an art gallery, um, I just assumed gray was kind of like this medium thing to where, like, when you're looking at art, like, you can envision in your house with gray walls. Um, but then we did uh, commu- uh, Requiem. Requiem. Which yeah. you, you were, that was the first show outside of your solo show that you're curated. I took over completely. You t- yeah. yeah, you took that show completely over. And we painted the walls black, and we turned the place into a mortuary. mortuary. Yep. Which, if you weren't there and you haven't seen pictures, I don't want to toot my own horn, but I so am. Like that place was fucking bad. It looked ass. awesome. It looked awesome. We had a full casket covered in about fifty candles that were melting and dripping on it. We had uh, over a thousand dried flowers that I'd spent weeks and weeks and weeks drying in my driveway from florists that were throwing them out, um, stuck in anything that would hold them, including human pelvises and vertebrae. And like, it was just this macabre, dark, it was, it was awesome. It was was really cool. So anyway, it was really cool. So that, that, that was, yeah, I think that was the linchpin where you're like, yeah, you could play. Yeah, yeah, you 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 come play with. This I remember for a while. we were painting the walls black, and like I think while we were painting the walls black, you turned to me and like you're not going to want to paint these gray again, and I nope. was like nope. And so we became a black wall gallery, yeah, um, which makes sense because of the the work we show, right? Um, and it really helps pop the art for me at least. Like I don't even have black walls in my house, but I have I, dark gray. Yeah, you have dark gray. But my, my house is much darker than yours. Yes. <laughs> much to my wife's chagrin. Yeah. It's really funny. Like people walk in and they see me behind the desk. I'm like, I didn't expect you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm fun. I'm happy. <laughs> We're pretty jovial for purveyors of, of darkness and foreboding. Um, so then we're at that space for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. And at some point during that you open up or you become partners with a new pizza joint venture called yes. Fourth Horseman. And I ended up getting dragged into it as well, fantastically. Um, and so the Fourth Horseman becomes this amazing, if you've never been here, it's a pizza place and beer place, beer, wine, and pizza. And it looks like our brains exploded onto the walls and then just dried to a crust. Yeah. We worked really hard to make the place look like it had been here for forever. And the, the Fourth Horseman took off hard. It won a shitload of awards uh, in the first year that it was open. Best damn pizza um, in Long Beach. It's muraled by a bunch of badass artists. Uh, yes. Chris the Creep and Lone Shack and... Litzinger. Um, Litzinger. Uh, Taya Sachs. Yep. And D'Enzo. And yeah. all these fantastic murals. And then there's a few of my shitty and ones in there, DW too. DW even did our logo. Oh, that's right. Yeah. DW Frydendahl. So it, he did it, our logo and a mural. It was born with art in its blood. Yes. And 
the space behind it, which wasn't connected to begin with, no, uh, became open, and it became this real struggle to decide whether or not it was right to move the gallery again behind the fourth horseman and break down a wall yeah. <laughs> to do it and do a shitload of insane build out, honestly, to make it happen. Um, but the synergy made sense yes. and the space is truly beautiful. Uh, if you haven't seen it, we got a VR on our, our website now, so you can kind of get a gander at it. Because um, not many people have seen it because because we uh, were open today. <laughs> we were literally in, we had a sneak preview night on a Thursday, and then we had the opening reception for May Morrow's show on Saturday, and and I sat here on Sunday, and then Monday we closed. Yeah, Sunday night I was on the on a on a call with the mayor with every restaurant in Long Beach, and they were basically said. You're closed. Yeah. You can do delivery and pickup only. And then, and then I was like, well, if that's happening, we can't open the gallery um, because you have to walk through the pizza place to get to the gallery. Right. And there's no real no reason for us to be open anymore. So we tried appointment only for a minute. Yes. We had like two appointments during the whole thing. Yeah. For like that week that we were trying. And it was like, you know what? This isn't, this isn't working. Let's close it and let's try to find other solutions. And we're both very creative. We're both driven. And it became the game of what ideas can we come up with to keep driving people here, keep us interested in, in people's minds, yeah. and keep selling these artists' work. So um, Shot had the great idea to do a virtual uh, tour of the gallery where you can actually walk through on your phone and if you have a VR machine you can use it to actually 3D walk around the space which is so cool um, and now we're doing this podcast Yep. As, uh, and it's something we've been talking about for a long time it's I, actually I've well this is what you wanted to do I, I do I, I, <laughs> I mean you know me I'm not scared of talking yeah I I'm, yeah <laughs> Yeah, Cross really wanted to do a podcast, and now we now we're doing one. And I was it just took the fucking apocalypse to make it happen. So you know, if yeah. if well, I can I'm thank in, COVID for one thing, yeah. I finally get my podcast. <laughs> well, I can keep drinking through it. <laughs> All right, so so here we here is where we are. So now we're sitting in the middle of our empty gallery that had an amazing open reception. Opening reception, amazing. It's a beautiful space. Um, people were losing their shit walking in here. Yeah. Like it was, it, the, the, the months of work of getting this space ready and creating this atmosphere was wholeheartedly worth it from the reactions of the people that came through the doors. Yeah. And then immediately just as devastating to realize that we had to close them again. Yep. So that's it. Wow. We got to May Moro flew out from Japan. It's true. For her art opening, during all the COVID-19 craziness. Her English is so much better now. Yes. No, she's really nice to hang out with She's her. awesome. She stayed with me. We had her opening reception on Saturday. Um, she flew in that Thursday. And then Sunday, when I closed the doors here, I had a phone call with the mayor talking about the, the bar and the pizza place and how we had to do delivery and pickup only. And then I came home after that 
to May Morrow coming out of my guest room and saying, my flight's canceled. So now I have May Morrow and her boyfriend. Husband. Or husband. Is he, um, living with me. Yeah. So I have two Japanese roommates. <laughs> so we, we went to the grocery store and I bought all of this food. Luckily, like, she got a flight home because she had to work on Wednesday. Oh, no shit. I didn't yeah. know that. She had yeah. to be at work. At, both of them had to be at work on Wednesday. And they were very concerned about that. That was why they were freaking out. Right. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, they're great. They can live with me. They can stay for as long as they need to. Like, they could be there right now. I don't care. Right. Um, but, you know, luckily they got a flight home. But I was, I thought I was going to have Japanese room. It was like a sitcom. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like... <laughs> Oh, two yeah. Japanese people, two Americans, like living in one space together, like for a mu- for the pandemic. <laughs> you know, <like laughs> Four's mixed company. Yeah, 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 yeah whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but we had a great show, and I'm I'm so happy that we got to debut her here for the new um, show for the, the for the space. new space because yeah. uh, she's fantastic, and I think her work is important, and people need to see it and. Um, I mean, you can go to our website and, and see the new show. Um, you should also follow her. Um, it's M-E-I-M-A-R-O, Memaro. And, yeah, go, go check out the stuff on our website, but also follow her on Instagram. I think it's May underscore Morrow on Instagram. I think so, something like yeah. that. Uh, I'm sure if you search for it, you'll find it, no you'll problem. You'll find her. But as far as what dark art is... She personifies a certain aspect of that so well because it's beautiful. There is a darkness to it. I mean, the, uh, these uh, stunningly rendered women are flailing their guts out, and the anatomy is dead on perfect, and everything is penned and inked and brushed into place perfectly. It, I, I just I, I can't get enough of, of what she does and, and how she does it and and the fact that like there shouldn't be a market for this but there is yeah like her well, stuff she, sells like gangbusters and to people I wouldn't expect it to sell to yeah which is the great part about dark art is when it transcends and and does that it like it, it grabs a hold of people that maybe had never thought about this type of artwork before and like spins them a little bit and they're like, oh man, I can't live without that anymore. Yeah, she, she, is, uh, she is exactly what I want to show in my gallery. Yeah. Like she's amazingly technically phenomenal, beautiful, and a little hint of darkness. Yeah. Um, like my uh, favorite, I don't know about little hints. Well, I, I mean, <laughs> there's a lot of hints. I mean, there, there's a lot of hints. But like, like some like, of my, some they're of grotesque. My, they really are grotesque. Some of my favorite pieces by her, though, are like the most like simple. Like it's not grotesque. Like like the True Face Two, um, where she she's just like this just little, hands, just yeah. this little part ripping off of her face. Like, and it's this beautiful woman with this hair and like, not grotesque. It's just a little part ripping off of the yeah, face, but it's like, it's, but it's not like, you know, blood and guts and, yeah, like, yeah, and yeah. heads exploding. Like some of her pieces, like heads are exploding and it's like, yeah. it's fucking brutal. Like it's death metal shit. But like, I love like the subtlety of dark art and like, and I think like, like what we show here is, is, is the gambit like of dark art and of, just not even dark art, just art in general. 
Like, you know, I, I fucked up and I made the title of the gallery Dark Art Emporium. And it should have just been Art Emporium. Um, I mean, I don't know that that would have been a much better... Well, at nobody would have cared. At least Dark Art Emporium. But I, I, I mean... You know, we're, we're, we're in the process, especially in the last, like, six to eight months, and moving forward, especially. Like, we look at our calendar for the next year, and we're pushing the boundaries for what dark art is. Yes. We're pushing the boundaries of what we think dark art can be or what that umbrella can encompass. Because, honestly, dark art doesn't mean anything. Yeah. It means everything, and then it doesn't mean anything, if that makes sense at all. Um, I love when dark art surprises people who love dark art, if that makes sense. Yeah. And how many times can I say dark art in 30 seconds? <laughs> yeah, you but, you no, did a lot. <laughs> but, okay, so it can be funny. It can be bright. It can be beautiful. It can be grotesque. It could be haunting, like all of these adjectives work because it's just stuff that's just outside the norm. It's just the stuff that you're not going to see at a typical art gallery. You know, that we, we are lucky in Los Angeles to be a part of a community of galleries that really loves this genre and, and, and all of the little fingerlings that fly off of yeah. it, you know, between Hyena Gallery and Copro Gallery and the Hive and, and, La, Luz. and La Luz. Think yeah. space even. Yeah, like like yeah. there's, there's, there's a little bit, uh, you know, and maybe we have more of a hub here than most places, but what's great about that hub and because we interact with those other galleries and those gallerists is we see everybody pushing the boundaries with it. And everybody's showing things that, that maybe you wouldn't think would work alongside artist A. Yeah. You know, but you know, but it does. And I love that with art galleries, like people come in and they just they freak out about the diversity, and they they, they don't expect the diversity of work. Like because we, we, you know, I I come personally. I never thought of myself as a dark artist. I come from a love of lowbrow, yeah. and before that, like I was like Van Gogh and Basquiat were the reasons I started painting. So when I I remember when I first heard the term dark art it was before this place, way before this place. Like I didn't know if I got it. I didn't know if I understood it because it felt too cornering. And I was like, I don't want to like, get lumped into something that's so tight and, and, and constricting. But then you talk to people like Chet Czar and, 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 and you know, Stupakis and, and these guys that are, you know, the grandfathers of the genre. And, and Brom. Brom, for sure. And, and you see where they've taken things and, and what their definition of it is. And, and, and you've seen the community grow. It's like, well, you know what? I was wrong. Like, Dark art's the shit. Happy to be lumped into it. And let's keep pushing the boundaries with it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, I just, like, you know, when I was coming up with the title for the gallery, like, I didn't know what the fuck to call it. And I just, I just thought about, like, the, the art that I was into, and they were calling it dark art. Right. Um, I mean, I don't know. Like, like as much as I, I'm a big Shag fan, and I don't know if I'd call Shag dark art. He's more of a lowbrow guy. But like, 
but he classifies in that and then I think that like I th- he paints monsters too he paints monsters too yep. you know like yep. like I don't know like I just it was just it, it was a catchy title <laughs> well <laughs> you it, know and, like and now like to me what dark art stands for is artwork that comes from an emotional place that's meant to distill an emotion yeah it's damn near like emo art. <laughs> Which, you know, like I, 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 I could, if I could reach you, I could smack you. Um, <laughs> I mean, because that's because that's just ugh, that's so gross. I know it's so gross, but like it's true. <laughs> like, like if it makes you feel something, that's all that matters. Like, right? And, like, and that's all that's all that I look for when I look at an art piece. Like, does it make me feel something, or is it like, eh, and I walk about? See, for me, it's 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 less about whether I feel something looking at it or whether I can tell that the person painting it felt something. Yeah, I can see that. So there's a lot of amazing artwork out there that is incredibly skilled, really well rendered and completely devoid of soul. And going to the LA art show, you could piss on 50 of those without moving. Yeah. Um, and I, I kind of want to sometimes, but with dark art, they, there's, there's an emotional aspect that is, that is influencing it. That is, that is at the heart of it that I think is what makes it that because dark art comes from a dark place. Dark art comes from an emotional place and it's, it's an expelling of a demon or, or a, uh, uh, an exercising of, uh, of an emotion. Um, but that doesn't mean it can't be funny, which is kind of why I love it, because I love mixing funny with really horrible, horrifying ideas. Like if you looked at my art, you've probably seen that. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, I, I think that's fun. And I think that's where I found my niche into it, where I was like, oh, yes, yes, okay, I'm a dark artist, because that works. That 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 particular recipe works. Well, you for just me. gotta. I don't know. Like it's the whole thing. Like with the brands and names and genres and all that shit. Like you you run into it with like like music. You know, it's the same thing. Is like, is this is this death core? Is this grind core? Is this death metal? Is and this it is this matter. black metal? Like it doesn't fucking matter. It's all just fucking music. And like, does it speak to But the people you that not? it matters to a lot, nobody likes them. Yeah, well. <laughs> right? Yeah. Right? Like, so if, like I, if, if I you're re- too singular with it. I refuse to look at art on the walls if it's not fucking dark art. Like, right. like you're a fucking asshole. Like, right. you know, like, just enjoy it. If, if, if it speaks to you, it speaks to you. If it doesn't move on and, and go to the next piece. And I mean, I, I mean, looking at the walls that we have currently around us, like, you know, that all speaks to me because I fucking curated it. But, you know, I get it. If you walk in here and you're like, ah, that's bullshit, like, then fucking go to the next one because you're going to like the next one. Because I guarantee you, I don't care who you are. If you walk in these doors and you take an honest half hour, because it will take you a full half hour to go through and look at these pieces, at least, like, if you don't find something that you like... I would be shocked. Yep. And that's not just me trying to be a salesman. I, I swear it's not because they, I've, I've watched people walk in that you could tell were uneasy the moment they walked in the door. 
and they were still uneasy halfway through walking through the gallery. But by the end of it, they came up to the desk and they were like, you know what? This place was initially off-putting, but I found this, this, and this that I loved. And it was really surprising. And I've opened my eyes, it's opened my eyes a little bit now as to what I consider art. And like, that's happened so many times. Yeah. And that's the beauty of it. It's yeah. like, like, yeah, some of this shit is not for everybody. I get that. Yeah. When you have a painting of a demon raping somebody, that's, that's not, not going to be for everybody. No. Fair. It might be for that very specific person, but you know. Yeah, but Batman smoking a cigarette with a. Who doesn't love Batman smoking a cigarette? <laughs> you know. I don't know. My favorite piece that I'm looking at right now, I'm looking at a Ren Hoshi of these three very well put together Japanese girls uh, drinking wine and eating human flesh. Ah, that's a great piece. I love this piece so much. What are you looking at? What do you think? What do you see? I don't know. A travesty. The, the one with the. It was from our 12 Inches of Wood show. With the, the woman with her mouth open and the black glove just holding her lip open. I love the gentle touch on the lip. I know. It's a gentle touch. It's a gentle especially touch. Especially for a black glove, because you expect yeah. the glove, black glove to like be like grabbing it and pulling on it. But. Yeah, it, and it's so fucking, it's like photorealistic. Like it's, it looks like a photograph from here. We're about three months away from his, uh, his feature show, yeah. and I've seen a couple of images from it so far, and if you think that's photorealistic, you ain't seen shit yet. Yeah, no, the travesty is a f- f- fucking phenomenal artist. I... Yeah, we got him and uh, and Adam um, McCarthy McCarthy coming up, and that's gonna be a killer show because they're both like sexy, hyper realism, but it's like it's edgy and dark and fun. Uh, I, that's gonna be a great dual show. I can't yeah. wait for that one. I hope I hope we're open again so that people can see that in person. Because you know, you know, what's killing me with this whole COVID thing. What's killing me is that we have careful tiny, with your choice of words there. This fucking COVID <laughs> thing. This um, uh, is Tiny Terrors Three. His Tiny Dude. Terrors Three is such a fun show, and we get to pull art off the walls and just hand it straight to people. And I'm really bummed that we're probably not going to be open for that one. With Tiny Terrace 2, we had over 300 pieces on the walls. We're going to have more than that this year. And we have a better, more useful space to show it in. And it's, it's yeah. Hopefully, hopefully by then, because, I mean, we're talking June. Yeah. Like, there's a chance the Tiny Terrors might be able to be seen by people. Yeah. In person. If nothing else, we have the virtual. Yeah. Um, I'm bummed about communion, personally. Yeah, communion. Like, communion I'm, is our most diverse show ever. I'm really like that show. Like, we pushed it back a month. It was supposed to open like three Last days week. ago. Yeah, three days ago. And like, I'm really bummed about that because that show is a bunch of artists that I've never shown before. That's what's cool about it. Yeah. And it's it's worldwide, and 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 I really wanted people to see. And we had all these ideas about doing like installation for it too. Like, I wanted to have a guy dressed as a priest handing out communion when you walked in the gallery. We were going to do a confessional booth. Okay, the confessional booth is something I did a long time ago at another gallery that I won't talk about. (laughs) Um, It wasn't Night Gallery. But it was a genius fucking idea, and I wanted to bring it back. So I built a confessional booth that you had to kneel in when you walked in. The way it was set up is you had to kneel into it. And then it had a, a, a table with a tray of paper and you would write a confession on it and then you had to use the hammer 
to nail it to the inside of the confessional. <clears throat> Aesthetically, this thing was amazing. Operationally, it was a nightmare. Imagine an art show where you hear all night long because people are nailing their confessions to the inside of this thing. Oh, it was so bad. It was so bad. Uh, but it was, uh, but uh, you know, next time we use tape. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what we were going to do, but no point now. Now we're, but, now we're in, in the apocalypse. But hey, man, we got shows still booked out through the end of the year. Uh, we have artists that uh, we're really excited about showing and actually some guest curators coming up. Yep. Um, this year's it's it's crazy what we what we have scheduled for the rest of this year. Um, we're holding off a little bit on scheduling the rest of next year just because we want to feel this out first. But we're not going anywhere. No. No. Well, I mean, I, I got a lease. <laughs> so <laughs> we're not going anywhere. So, you know, if, uh, if you can go online and, and, and check out what we have, and if you see anything you love, we would love to help you uh, acquire it. That's, that's for sure. Yeah. Because, you know. Please, please, please buy art. Please buy art. That's it, what helps this whole community. And, like, that's, like, the, the dark art community is so fucking awesome. And I've met some of the best people in my entire life, some of my best friends yep. um, through this, um, through opening the gallery, like people that I'd never met before, artists that I'd never met before, or even thought of, like even knew their work, and that now they're my best friends. Yep. Um, I agree completely. So supporting us supports artists, supports community. Yes. Support, 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 support. Yeah. I'm not going to shove this down your guys' throats too much. because no. you, you, you get it. If you can, you will. If you can't, I totally understand. No. Um, but that's not what the point of this podcast is. So well, let me switch gears a little bit here. We talked about doing something on this podcast that's like, because we're, we're all stuck inside, right? We're all yep. stuck at home. We're watching lots of TV. We're listening to lots of music. Maybe you're playing music. Maybe you're painting, whatever you're doing. You're doing something to occupy yourself so you don't lose your shit. So let's talk about what Jeremy's junk is <laughs> this right. week. So, Shot, what are you nerding on? What's keeping you sane? All right. Well, um, it's weird. Like, I'm, I'm a pretty uh, like brutal dude Like when it comes to music. Like, I listen to all kinds of weird shit. <clears throat> yeah, like death metal and fucking you know, black metal and stuff like that. But like since all this stuff has happened and like I'm stuck inside and I've really found joy in sitting on my patio and I'll roll like a little joint and I'll listen to Richard Hawley. Like Richard Hawley, Cole's Corner is like kind of my jam right now. Richard Hawley is the lead singer of the band Pulp. Yep. And his solo stuff is phenomenal. I love Pulp. Yeah. So I've been listening to that, and I've been listening to um, Bobby Bland Blue. Oh, yes. This record called Dreamer. I want to get into that one with you. I can't do it. Oh, dude, it's so good. Like, <laughs> I can't do like, it. Like, this motherfucker. <laughs> like, I was cooking dinner the other day. I was high as fuck. And I, 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 I smoked, like, a whole bowl, and then I was, like, making enchiladas. I think I was cooking enchiladas that night. And Leslie was upstairs, like, drawing or uh, playing on her computer. I don't know what the fuck she was doing, but she was upstairs. And I was cooking dinner, and I was listening to the record, and I was like, this motherfucker is, has a fucking flute solo. 
<laughs> in the middle of a fu- funk song. And he's not even a Jethro Tull. No, it is awesome. So I, my recommendations to you, like if you want to get like smooth and like relax a little bit, Richard Hawley, Cole's Corner, and Bobby Blue Bland, um, uh, Dreamer. Those are the two. Like, you know, when all this shit went down, I was hard on fucking Cattle Decap because they were warning us about what was happening with Death, Death Atlas. Yeah. Um, it just so happened they were talking about, you know, the world devouring us and yep. it wasn't, you know, an infection. But so when it first all happened, I was all into cattle decapitation. But now I'm like, I'm, I've settled with it. Now I'm just like, chill, let's just get through it. Okay. What are you listening to, Cross? Well, um, John Prine. Of course. So, if you don't know who John Prine is, he's an amazing singer-songwriter from the 70s, I guess he started in the 70s. Um, he died, like, last week from COVID. And um, I'd been a huge fan of his for decades, but uh, the night that I heard he died, I, I spent, like, three or four hours just listening to his shit. I got a little bit high, did a lot of crying. <laughs> I, I just, I sat... I. My wife was actually worried about me, but she was really sweet about giving me space. Um, because I, I, I put the phone on the speaker in the bedroom and I put on John Bryan. <coughs> Excuse me. It's not COVID, it's smoker's cough. Uh, smoker's cough. And I curled up in my, 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 my duvet, like all wrapped up around me, and just sat there for hours listening to Brian and crying. And it felt great. Yeah. Because that shit feels good. Um, so aside from that, uh, I've had this obsession and this started like the week that the whole Corona thing went nuts and it, I don't think it's related at all. Um, so I think it was uh, one of my friends, uh, Stephanie Bell, who posted um, this article about murder ballads and how like starting in the mid 50s or 60s. Like women started to flip the script on murder ballads because for the longest time, most of them were about men murdering women. That was like the whole history of murder ballads. Um, so that kind of spawned it. And I was like, I love the Nick Cave album, Murder Ballads. Yeah. And I was like, I didn't realize that there was a genre to dig into. And so I dug into it and I realized that, or I came to find out that uh, murder ballads started with songs that were written in like the 1500s um, that were a way to spread news. And of course, the most interesting ones, the ones that caught on were salacious. So murders, rapes, murders, things like that. So these ancient songs have now carried through traditionally and like some of them are still being played and sung and recorded today. Uh, And certainly at the turn of the century, they were being played and recorded. So there's this long history of it. So I started making this playlist of all murder ballads through recorded history. Currently, my Apple playlist is at like 250 something songs and I'm still working on it. And it's full obsession at this point. Like anything I can think of from like Nirvana covering In the Pines Mm -hmm. to like three other, four other versions of In the Pines, you know, uh, back to the originals, like it's, it's exponentially interesting because it's every road leads to another road, another fork 
in this journey because these songs date back so far that they've been covered and twisted and changed. Like a great version of it, or a great example of it is Stagger Lee. Yeah. So the Nick Cave Stagger Lee, which is you know, basically about really a guy well who wants to like rob and rape and fuck a fat boy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but like you go way back into its roots and like nobody knows who originally started this song, but it was recorded Delta Blues style like four or five different times. Some of them were even clean. Yeah. Like, like clean. Like, and then, and then you get to like uh, the version that Samuel L. Jackson does live in uh, what's that movie called? The Samuel Jackson movie, Christina Ricci. She's like a oh, chains. Uh, fuck. What's her name? Um, I love Black it. Snake Moan. Yes, Black Snake Moan, which amazing goddamn movie. Love that movie. Yeah. It's so wrong and so beautiful. Um, so he does a version of Stagger Lee in that. So it's even made its way onto the silver screen. And this movie, uh, this song dates back like probably 100 years. Yeah. So easy obsession. Uh, and I've shared it on, on Facebook and stuff and like got some other people like hooked on it and then they're sending me suggestions on songs to add to it and, and so on and so forth. So that's, that's my Jeremy Junk is, is Murder Ballads. Murder Ballads. That's where I'm at right now. Yeah, I wonder if like, like cause the Murder Ballad like was a historical story. Like they were telling the news. Right, they were called broadsides. Then. Yeah. Yeah. So I wonder if Stagger Lee was an actual dude at some point, and he's just gotten like tall-tailed, like maybe, maybe so maybe far that now he's fucking like fat boys' butts, you know? Like, what, what, what's the line from Nick Cave's? I'd climb over twenty good pussies to just fuck to get, one fat boy's yeah, just to get one, get to one fat boy's asshole, <laughs> which is goddamn amazing. Yeah, that's a great line. Oh my god, it's so good, so good. Um, yeah, I love that song. I love, I love Nick Cave. So yeah, agreed, agreed. He's. He never disappoints. Sometimes he's hard to listen to, but he doesn't disappoint. Um, all right. So, uh, what about uh, what are you watching? Um, let's see. What am I watching? Uh, what's the show? Um, it's based on the documentary The Institute. Um, mm. Oh, uh, uh, so, uh, Notations from Nowhere? Uh, yeah. Fuck, I can't it's remember. something like Notations something, from Nowhere. Uh, Notifications from Nowhere. Yeah. Something yeah, like whatever that. that is. On, a, on AMC, right? AMC. Yeah. yeah, I've been watching that. That's a beautiful, so beautiful, beautiful show. Yeah. We started, I started watching Devs, which was awesome. It's, uh, it's on, I think it's on Hulu or FX. And that show's really good. It's a good sci-fi. Um, what's his face? Uh the guy from the Parks and Rec is in it. Uh, the big bearded dude. Everybody loves. Shit, I, I can't. I, I, I've been drinking beer the whole time we've been talking, yeah, so I don't remember shit. So. <laughs> I, I, I've never seen Parks and Rec. Yeah. Ever. And I know I need to. I guess now. Yeah, the it's time. a great show. It's a great show. It's really funny. Um, but outside of that, like uh, Joe Neon Werewolf Hunter. Oh, shit. Yeah. Which is stupid, fun, goofy. So good. Um, and outside of that, like, I finally watched the new Tarantino movie, which was excellent. So good. Um, I loved it. I know not everybody did, but I yeah. definitely loved no, it. No, it was good. I, you know, and not just the last 30 minutes. Like, I love the whole thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, the 30 minutes paid off for me. Like, sure. I was kind of like, I don't know about this. And then when it ended, I was like, oh, fuck, I love this movie. I just enjoyed being at Spawn Ranch. Yeah. Like, that whole Spawn Ranch thing was fun for me. Well, and I don't really know the history of 
Charlie Manson. Like, I don't really, I'm not a serial killer guy. Like, I'm not into that. Right. So, like, I didn't really know any of that story. So, watching it kind of, like, educated me on that. I know the, the history in his movie was a little off. Yeah, that ain't exactly right. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but I mean, but it made really me, it made, actually right. made me look it up and, like, learn. Yeah. Um, there's so much debatable fact about what really happened during that time anyway, and like how Manson was involved, or if he was even involved, yeah. or if he was actually pulling triggers, you know, or stabbing people. Like yeah. nobody, nobody really knows except nobody now because Charlie's fucking dead. Yeah, yeah. And nobody would have known when he was alive because he's crazy as fuck. Poor bastard had to die in Bakersfield. Yeah, well. <laughs> Can we talk about that for a second? <laughs> yeah, go for it. Because I knew that Charlie Manson was dying. And I knew that he was transferred to a hospital in Bakersfield. Uh, and it wasn't public knowledge because I have a friend who was a nurse there. And she hit me up. She's like, hey, Charlie Manson's here and he's about to die. So I had this really great idea. I was going to make a T-shirt with Charlie Manson's face. And it was going to say, nobody should have to die in Bakersfield. So I did. And I had them ready to go two days before he actually died. So the second he died, I released him on the internet. I was like, I'm going to make so much money off this. I'm going to make gangbusters off. I released it. I sold like two. Yeah, well. Because nobody cares. Nobody cares. Nobody cares that he died in Bakersfield. Nobody cares about Bakersfield except for the dumb motherfucker from Bakersfield. Yeah. Um, that, that, that actually cared about it. Okay. Well, so that's, what, that's what you get for trying to... To make money off of uh, a piece of shit's dead death. <laughs> I figured if you're going to be opportunistic about something, well, well I mean, <laughs> you're going to make money, make it off of a piece of shit. I, I, I got one more Jeremy's junk. Okay, what are you liking? So, what, what um, are you watching? I've been getting really, really high mm -hmm. and making my way through the old live-action Disney Plus films. Oh, so there's a uh, there's a through the decades thing on there, and so I started with like. Um, you know, the Mark of Zorro and then, you know, 30,000, 20,000 leagues under the, yeah. under the sea and uh, Swiss family Robinson. And, but my favorite so far, mind you, I smoke a whole joint before I do this because that's what makes it great. No, that's how to get through. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I love it though. Like it's not just getting through it. Like once I'm in that moment with these movies, I'm so happy I'm giddy happy, you know. Yeah. Uh, but my favorite so far was Blackbeard's The Curse of Blackbeard's Ghost, uh, where uh, Blackbeard haunts a old uh, hotel on the riverfront that his harem used to occupy and apparently still does, like the descendants of his harem. Uh, it, it's really shady for a Disney film. Like the, that's the thing about the old 40s, 50s, and 60s yeah. stuff. Like Disney shit was kind of shady sometimes. Yeah. Um, and he ends up, you know, helping some poor bastard and his track team win a championship, which is dumb, but it's fun. So yeah, I get high and watch old Disney films. How's that for dark art? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Dark art. All right, guys. Well, I, I hope you've enjoyed this, this first episode of the DAE's art pits. Uh, we certainly enjoyed sitting here getting drunk and talking to you about ourselves. Yeah. Yeah, that was fun. <laughs> uh, we will continue to do these. Uh, we're going to be bringing guests on uh, so we don't just talk about ourselves and, and, yeah, please. and the gallery. Um, and I can't tell you how often it's going to happen, but it will be on a regular basis. But in the meantime, thanks for being here with us. And I hope you're healthy. I hope you're maintaining some form of happiness. 
Yeah. And I hope this helps a little bit and give you something to do for an hour. Right? Yeah. You know. Other than jerk off or get stoned. Yeah. Watch Disney films. <laughs> <laughs> Asshole. All right, guys. Thank you very much. Yeah. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.